Welcome, everybody, to the Kona Shane Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Rourke. Guys, I am here with someone who is near and dear to me and my heart, the one and only Vet Tech Kelsey. Uh, that is Kelsey Beth Carpenter, RVT. Uh, Kelsey is an RVT. She is a media personality. She has uh, she has been doing social media uh, for me for years and uh, she's part of the Uncharted team, and she is genuinely a wonderful, funny, very, very insightful person. And we had a little bit of a—it's it's a bit of a personal episode today. Um, Kelsey has uh, has been having some medical challenges over the last couple of years, and um, and she has spent a lot of time on the human side of healthcare as a patient. And uh, we were talking, and we sort of laid this out in the episodes we get started. But um, what are the things that are in human medicine that are good? that we might like to see more of in vet medicine and what are the things that we have learned in human medicine that we do not want to see in vet medicine or what insights can we gain from being a patient of human healthcare that will help us do a better job of taking care of pets and pet owners and that's what we talk about this episode it's really a kind of a a sprawling episode but it's all on that on that theme and topic It's, it's really interesting Kelsey is just such a wonderful person and um and she's just really insightful and she's obviously thought a lot about this and so anyway this is a really neat way to think about practice and how practice works and just to kind of check and say where am i stacking up here am i doing the things that uh that turn people off or am i doing the things that are going to make uh that are going to make our visits um positive experiences so anyway guys check it out let's get into this episode this is your show we're glad you're here we want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome to the podcast, uh, Kelsey Beth Carpenter. How are you? I'm pretty darn good. How are you doing, Dr. Man, Andy Rourke? I'm, I'm so, people are having a deja vu. They're like, I've heard that voice before. Yeah. She sang the theme song that you just listened to. Right before you, uh, you got to this point in the podcast. But yes, Kelsey Carpenter, uh, you are an RVT. You are a, uh, a media personality. You, you're best known for Am singing I? a song called My Dog Ate Weed, I think. <laughs> uh, you are the social media manager for Dr. Andy Rook. Uh, Who's and so that? I know you have, <laughs> if people don't know, it's kind of on you. Like you're, you're a part of this too. Uh, so. <laughs> If they if they have no idea who I am, like I'm not the only one responsible for that. You are here with me. Most of the time, if it's a good thing, you were responsible. If it's a bad <laughs> thing, it's typically me. It's totally. <laughs> well, that's that's part of a social media manager's job. Is like I need someone to throw under the bus yeah. when I drink too much and decide to go on social media and say inappropriate things which happens frequently uh, all the time <laughs> i think i was just time. really a strategic hire it was sort of like who's gonna make me look really good on this team and it's like kelsey because like when when andy can't find something you know he can't find a document in the google drive it's okay because kelsey can't find the google drive you know so it's like, <laughs> it's like it's sort of i'm just a strategic hire i think every company should have one right <laughs> it's it's uh it's your your job title is foil that's that's it. You're a fool. That's not true. You are a very strategic hire because you are magnificent and lovely and wonderful and creative and super funny and super fun. And uh, you know, since I started doing social media fifteen years ago, you know, 
you you have always got the positivity and the energy that you know I think is so important to kind of put out into the world and kind of what we always wanted to do and you just radiate that as well and I uh, I feel blessed every day that uh, you show up to work so that's uh, that's that's my that's one of the many joys of my life so thank you for being that person. Thank you, Andy. I feel the same way. And now also I have it on audio recording. I could play it back back to to myself. Also, next time you fire me on a team meeting, I can go (laughs) ahead and play that for everyone. Remember, you did like me at one point. (laughs) Yeah, that happens a lot as well. That that often happens. Yeah. So I... we were we were talking and uh, we were sort of talking with the rest of the team recently and you brought up an idea for a podcast and then you were immediately volunteered to do the podcast and here you are. So uh, let's go ahead. How do you want to uh, how do you want to open this up? I, I Yeah. How do you want to open this up? Um, well, you know, I think I was listening to one of your episodes recently and now I'm blanking on which one it was. And you guys were talking about like you know, how to make clients feel heard in an exam Mm -hmm. room. And as I was listening to it, I was thinking back on all of the doctor's appointments I've been through because I've gone through like a major medical experience over the past few years and all of the things that have made me feel heard and all of the things that I would, you know, ultimately I've seen so many doctors lately. And I think every time I go to a doctor's visit, I think, you know, here's what I would do differently if I if I get back into the clinic one day. Here's yeah. what I would change about how I talk to clients or how I put someone in a room or how I discharge people just because of what I've now experienced being a patient myself. Yeah. So many times. Well, I, th- I thought that was great because my wife has gone to a major medical uh, event in the last year and I had the similar similar experiences of things mm-hmm. that I've watched how they've impact her. And then I've been along in a lot of these uh, in a lot of these appointments and things as well. And uh, I, I thought this would be really fun just to go through and break down what we've seen in human medicine that is good that we would like to port over and then things in human medicine that are that are not good that we definitely don't want to point over. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that that's I think that's fun. It's not the important the addition of this is not to throw shade on human medicine. Of course. But I do think that we uh, I think we're crushing them. I just <laughs> I think there's so many good things about fat medicine. Not that to throw not shade. Good. We not are superior. Shade. But yeah, <laughs> I don't want them to feel bad about that. But let's just call a space space. Uh, it's a lot of really good things in vet medicine that got lost in human medicine. And I think that that's worth calling out. So, yeah, let's go. Um, how do you want to uh, how do you want to start? Um, you know, I think, well, I, I'll just say this. So like the, so we're not trying to, yeah, like throw shade on human medicine. Also not trying to say our veterinary professionals, our fellow veterinary professionals aren't already doing many of these things. Cause some of them are right. so basic, but I think for me, it's like, you know, I have been working in veterinary medicine for 10 years and I kind of stopped thinking about some of the things I do. Like, like a perfect example is like callbacks. It's so routine, right? Like yeah. I sit there and I do 15 callbacks in the morning. And I don't even think twice about it. And then when I became a patient myself, like realizing like what that actually does for people. So there yeah. were just multiple things. I guess we could kind of like just start at sort of like the top of an exam, maybe. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm totally up with that. So we had, we've been a number of different exams over the, the last years and stuff. And, and a lot of things that we that we take for granted that medicine really matter, you know, like just a warm welcome, just a confirming that someone is in the right place, that, yes. you know, this is the plan, just sit here, we will take care of you. I, I think that that I think that that's so important. Yep. I think I, I think the other part that I would say here is the uh, the fact that or the idea that someone actually cares that you understand what's going on mm-hmm. is important. I um 
I remember talking to a nurse as I was leaving an appointment one time and I was like, I just want you to know this is a whirlwind and I do not feel like our questions got answered. And now we're kind of getting dumped out the door and the doctor's in the next appointment. Yeah. And she was like, okay, well, I'll pass that on. And I'm, I, I doubt that they did, but no. it was, it's just such a simple thing to be like, Hey, we're going to make sure you understand what we did here. And I just, I had, I had not felt that way in a long, long time. Yeah, absolutely. And we take, you know, it's really hard when you've, when you get to a point where you've been doing this long enough, you forget like what people don't know, like something yeah. as simple as I'm going to take your dog back for x-rays. What can the client expect? What are they supposed to do while doing right. that? You know, like there's just the simplest things. But, you know, you started to mention like just just saying something as simple as like making sure you're in the right place. That's honestly, it's like the first simplest thing. You actually have a point about this. And it was in one of your lectures that I watched once about like building trust and how every little thing you do in the exam is like building up that yeah. trust level. And that first thing is just using names, introducing yourself so they know who you yeah. are and saying the patient's name and saying, or, or the client's name, you know, for me, I'm the patient or, um, you know, saying the pet's name, it just already builds that little tiny bit of trust and starts you off on the right place. I can't tell you like how many times like a doctor has walked into a room and be like, all right, so we're looking at this today. And I'm like, how do you know who I am? Like, how do I know? There could be another Kelsey here. How many yeah. times have I see, had three fluffies sitting in the <laughs> waiting room and I could pull the wrong one? So it's like something so simple like that that I never thought twice about until I had to be a patient myself. Yeah. No, I I, I completely agree with that. It's, um, you know, I... And I get it in, you know, people are busy, you know, oh, yeah. and, and, and like you go in for a medical procedure and they're like, you need to be here at this time because the doctor is doing their procedures and they're just stacked back to back to back to back. Of course. And it's it kind of feels like a cattle, you know, a cattle yeah. train where you're just getting pushed, you know, a shoot where you're here and then you're <laughs> here and you better not be late um, because they're going to be upset. And it, it's I don't think it. I think that you can be efficient and you can move things through, but mm -hmm. I think that we should actively work against making people feel like they're widgets being pushed through the widget press. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And I just, I have, I've had that. I think there's definitely a balance of efficiency and getting things done. And then also just taking a moment to confirm to the person, I recognize that you're a human being and I'm yep. also a human being and this is my name. And if you need anything, you can call me. Yep. I think that that's I think that that's really good. I think I, that's a that's another a huge one for me. So like this is one of the biggest ones that I just didn't really think much about when I was a tech before is uh, just the acknowledgement. Like we talk about like making people feel heard. Like to me, that's not a complicated uh, concept yeah. at all. To me, it is as simple as someone comes in, I put them in a room with their dog and they say, you know, Bella's here because she's been vomiting. We tried doing a bland diet. She was still, she vomited three more times this morning. We go straight into, okay, let me go ahead and start getting her vitals. I'm not saying that's wrong, but the mm -hmm. simple statement of saying, wow, that sounds really rough for both yeah. of you. That must've been scary. Yeah. Huge. I mean, cause you yeah. think about the fact this, this client has been up all night. They're cleaning up puke out of their uh, lovely carpets, you know, <laughs> like they've been through yeah. it. They're exhausted. They're stressed. I, it happened to me in an exam once I like in my total time, just going through, you know, my recent development of like fibromyalgia and everything. I actually had to tally up how many doctors I've seen in total. And the yeah. last time I tallied it, which was about six months ago, I was up to about 70. Wow. <laughs> so I had a lot of a lot of experience. And um, I remember the first time I saw a new psychiatrist 
and he was just taking a basic history on what was going on with me. And I explained to him about my chronic pain and fibromyalgia and what I'd kind of been through. And I was doing it very much in like a my vet tech way of here's the data that you need, right? Yeah. And he just literally stopped and said, wow, that sounds like you've really been through a rough time. And I was like, it's not computing. I don't know what to say to that. No one had ever at that point. I was about two years into it. And I don't think a single doctor had said to me, that sounds really hard. Yeah. And, and it's not that they're not thinking it. Like you guys talked about this in another recent podcast. It's not that we aren't thinking it as doctors or veterinarians or technicians. It's that we're just in efficiency mode and we maybe don't say yeah. it out loud. The compassion is there. It's just sometimes making the extra effort to verbalize it. That's huge, right? Like it doesn't take it doesn't take a whole lot. I I, I completely agree. But yeah, it's it's easy to get head down and just you know it, it's the classic thing. And I talk about this a lot with emergency medicine is, you know, when you're an emergency doctor, you're an emergency tech, you just see emergencies all day long. Yeah. And this emergency is just the thing that we're doing for 20 minutes right now right. before we do the next one. But to the pet owner that's there on emergency, this is like a once in a lifetime experience. This is one of the worst days of their lives. Exactly. And, and the dichotomy of those experiences is, is very real. And I just think we have to be conscious and aware of, of what the other person is experiencing in order to, to just to, to not have them feel like they've been pushed through the, you know, through the machine. Yeah. You know, my favorite uh, thing, one of the first things I would always tell, um, like newer assistants or technicians when I was training them was, um, my little, uh, secret for, for how I interact with clients is I pretend that every single client is a good friend of my mom's <laughs> because, oh, fun. <laughs> because how are you going to treat a friend of your mom's if they come in and they're like, well, like, first of all, you're going to go in the room. And you're like, oh, my God. Hi, I'm Kelsey. I'm Cass's yeah. daughter. You know, like you're going to introduce yourself. You're gonna be like, this must be Bella. I've heard about her, you know. Yeah. And then when they talk about Bella's been vomiting, you're not going to be like, OK, let me go ahead and get five. Be like, oh, my God, that sounds terrible. Oh, I'm so sorry you're going through that. You know, how yeah. do you treat someone who is like your uh, second cousin, you know, or your your dad's friend from high school? Like, how do you treat that person? Like, that's how I tried to pretend that's what every client is to be. And it helps yeah. me like say those things out loud that I'm all, we're all already thinking them in our heads anyways. Yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. I, I think some, some of the interactions we've had recently with nurses have made me think a lot about the technician role in communication between patients and, you know, our patients, our clients and, and, and doctors where we had some experiences recently where you knew that I'm a big believer in empowering technicians. And I feel like in human medicine, they have made big strides in empowering nurses to be communicators. Yeah. And I do think that we can absolutely learn from that. I've seen that go really, really well. And I've seen it go really badly to a point it was a really frustrating uh, experience. And the difference for me in the experiences that, that we sort of had is when the nurse is the point of communication and they feel like an advocate, or someone who is trying to help you, mm -hmm. um, that is different from the nurse as the gatekeeper yes. who says, I'm not going to, nope, I'm telling you what the answer is, and I'm not going to take your question or, or answer, uh, go to the doctor. So for example, you know, my wife was uh, talking to the doctor about something, and she's, I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying, but it was, uh, so she, she's very active 
She, mm-hmm. she works out, she exercises. And so she has a procedure. She wants to know how long is it until I can be back doing the things that I, that I want to do. And yeah. she's no, pretty let's, aggressive. Let's in just that. be honest. It's not she's just active. She's a badass. She's, she's a verifiable badass. Let's, let's say it as it is. <laughs> she's over the, over the top uh, yeah. badass. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, so she's like, Hey, look, I, I'm taking badass time off here and I would like to get back to my badass self. Exactly. And can I, and can I do that? And the doctor was like, not a big deal. But then the nurse was like, Oh, no, no, you don't do anything. Don't lift anything more than 10 pounds until you're recheck in like six weeks, you know? And Allison was like, that's not going to happen. And Allie really wants to do what she's supposed to do. She mm-hmm. wants to be a, you know, she, she wants to be smart. And so she got mixed messages from the doctor and from the nurse. And the nurse wasn't, did not seem to take her seriously and wasn't willing to go back to the doctor and say, tell me what you were thinking here. She was like, no, these are the rules. And it just, it very quickly became this adversarial feeling Mm -hmm. that I have not had in other instances. And I go, wow, that's really, this is how leveraging your support staff for communication kind of goes off the rails. And then it became, I don't want to talk to the nurse. I want to go around her because I don't feel like right. they're on the same page. And it was just, that was an interesting part to me of how you leverage and utilize your texts. You, you still got to communicate with them. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be accessible. They can, they can help you, but it's almost like by closing off the line of communication, you, you end up undermining trust. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, it's that getting those mixed messages. It's, it's what starts to, like you've said before in these lectures, what starts to drain that trust bucket that you've started filling up, right? Exactly. And you lose faith because then it's that sort of that feeling of like, who am I supposed to trust? I don't know now. I don't know. That nurse could have been doing this much longer than that doctor or vice versa. I don't know who's right. Um, yeah, that's hard. Talk to me a little bit about continuity of care. You said you've seen like 70 doctors. How, so, so I, I can, I can guess what maybe that experience is like, but I, I, I could be completely wrong. So talk, talk to me about, about your feeling of consistency and continuity when, when this has been your experience. The continuity is nice if you can do it. It can't always happen, but I think there's ways that, um, lack of continuity can still be done successfully, if that makes okay. sense. So for example, um, I like my, my, okay, I'll give this example. My mom and I, both, we have kind of, we go to the same medical center and it's kind of okay. like a tight knit thing. And so my mother and I both have the same primary care physician. <laughs> we okay. share doctors. We also sure. have the same um, uh, physical medicine and rehabilitation doctor as well. Okay. And um, so one of like- Do the you carpool? Like you, I wish. <laughs> we're not that cool yet oh, um, oh we all we goals. also i just realized we also do have the same physical therapist we did once have our same our physical therapy appointments back to back and that was weird it's all really becoming a family affair and in, and i don't know whether i'm enjoying that or or having questions about it <laughs> um <laughs> uh anyways um so like one of like the beautiful things is for example like our primary care doctor saw my mom the other day, because she finally mm-hmm. came down with COVID, the vid. And uh, my mom was like, yeah, I'm like really worried. What if I gave it to Kelsey? And immediately the doctor knew who she was talking about and was able to like reference things that she would have only known. But she, she made these notes to herself, right? Like we all have places we can make notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the continuity of like having seen her numerous times and her taking the time to remember who's connected to who or what's going on here. 
Um, the last time I saw her, she was like, how is it going with this supplement? You know, that kind of continuity is like so valuable. Yeah. Um, but meanwhile, I think there's like another, uh, there's a way that it can be done successfully where you don't always have to be there. So one thing that I think is very important is creating a plan. Um, and I think it's one thing that I could definitely, like many of us, I think could improve on in, in any field. And mm-hmm. um, I'm going to tie this together. I promise. We're going to go. We're going to go. To, we're oh, going to go on a journey, and then we're going to come I'm back. Trusting you. I'm we're going to go you. on a little in a little island, and then we're going to float on back to the mainland. Okay. Um. So I think um one of the most important parts is to create a plan with with your patient or your client, right? And say, okay, this is what we've decided to do today. If this does not work, here are some other things that we might yeah. consider going forward, right? And that doesn't always happen. And sometimes it's just, all right, we're going to prescribe you this medication. And it leaves people like myself, I've often felt sort of abandoned. Like it almost feels like the doctor's saying, all right, I've given you this medication and I'm done with you. And yeah. I kind of feel like, okay, well, if this doesn't work, I don't know what to expect, you know? And, yeah. and many of us have brains that we sort of, we like to plan ahead. Okay, if this doesn't work, what's how long do I wait to see if this doesn't work? You know, that kind yeah. of thing. So you create this plan and it doesn't have to be detailed it doesn't have to like say what dosages you're going to give some other antibiotic it just we're going to try this or this and then um the beautiful thing about that is it helps your team so now if i have to go back in through urgent care because whatever my primary care physician did didn't work there are now really clear notes in my primary care physician's record about what we discussed or the next plan or is the next thing we're going to try. And so now this urgent care doctor is going to say, it looks like you guys talked about trying this yeah. as the next thing. What do you, do you want to go in that route? And now I feel like there is still continuity, even though I'm not seeing the first doctor that I saw. And I feel like I haven't been abandoned. I feel safe seeing another doctor that I've m- maybe never seen before because my first doctor took the time to say, I'm not leaving you with this. I'm going to say, here's this. And here's what we're going to do if it doesn't work, you know? Yeah. So that's important, I, I think. I love that. When, when, so I, I can, I can rant about medical records in vet medicine <laughs> with the best of them. And so I definitely have my own position in soapbox. The very, very short version is, um, we should think about what the purpose of a medical record is. Right. And, and, and cause people write books and I don't think that people get trained very well in what's required and what's not. And the, the point of the medical record is to document what happened and why it happened, meaning how was yes. the decision reached? Exactly. Uh, what You know, like, why did we not do this or why did we do this? But how was the decision reached? And the last part is, what is the plan going forward? Mm-hmm. And that last part is mission critical yes. for being able to pass cases between doctors at exactly. your practice. Mm-hmm. And it's just the um, the number of medical records I see that doctors don't jot down, even the most basic, hey, if this doesn't work, we're going to recheck blood work and consider, you know, I don't know, trying a different medication. Like that that gives the client some idea of what will happen next. If if something goes bad or or they just don't get resolution, they've already said, okay, we're going to go do this blood work. There is a plan. They know what they're doing. And and I've had the exact same experience that you have had uh, in medicine of, you know, getting a plan. And they're like, no, nah, just, we're just, you're just doing, you're just doing this now. And I'm yep. like, well, for how long? And they're like, nah, I don't know, uh, for forever. We'll see. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's, that's, that's not at all, that's not at all uncommon. And again, I, my guess would be that there's some liability fear in human mm-hmm. medicine where they're like, I don't want to take you off of medicine. I just, of course. just stay on it forever. And, yeah. Or, or the, I, I, again, I'm telling myself stories too, but I think sometimes in human medicine, they're like, I'm going to put you on this medicine. And at some point you're going to get tired and decide it doesn't work and you're just going to stop. And I'm not going to have to tell you 
But then if, it's a, if it ever becomes an issue, you're the one who decided to yep. stop it, not me. And so I, I don't know about that, but I think uh, the idea of, of having a plan and communicating a plan, I think that's absolute. I think it's absolutely true. Yeah. You, don't have have, you don't have to have a master plan either. No, exactly. You just, you just don't want to feel like you've been pushed off into the ocean in your little dinghy. And it's like, well, maybe we'll bump into each other again. Like exactly. something more than that. Yeah. Well, and ultimately, like like we're saying, this doesn't have to be some extensive conversation. It's we've chosen to do this today. I want to hear from you in two weeks. And if it's not yeah. working, we can consider some recheck blood work. And there's another medication that we could try as well. That's as simple as it needs to be. And that one sentence saves numerous people so much time. Yeah. If that first medication doesn't work, if if it ends up with another doctor, it saves that doctor time. The, it saves the client time or the patient time because they kind of can know what's going to happen. Um, if you end up seeing the same patient again because it's not working in two weeks, saves you time. You don't have to go through the whole conversation of options again. You've already set out your plan. So even though it sounds like I'm saying like, you know, do all these extra things, I think ultimately it's actually a time saver for everyone. Yeah. The The patient portal uh, experience in medicine is I'm a, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Like I, I, that is something I would actually like to see in vet medicine. Oh, I'm yeah. confident we could do it in a way that does not generate a ton of extra work for us, but just the ability to have your own little thing and you go and you log in and you can pull up your blood work from the past and you can look at radiographs or you can do whatever, or yeah. you have the ability to, to send messages to the doctor. And it's like, I totally get people being like, I don't want clients to have immediate access to me. Look, they're getting access to you anyway. They're calling, you know, they're being put on hold. You know, you're going to talk to pet owners. Go ahead and figure out how you want to do it and come up in a way that's convenient and easy and safe and secure where you have everything documented. And it's just, I don't know, the the patient portal stuff is I think they're pioneering it in human mm-hmm. medicine. And I think that uh, that is something that I could absolutely see us in vet medicine doing and saying, oh, you know, for our, for our regular, for our clients, this is, this is kind of what your portal looks like. And yeah. then also just the benefit of like, if your pet ever ends up in the emergency clinic, you can be like, here's what we have. And I know they already, we already have services like that. We have a, we, a number of sort of record sharing services that, right. uh, that work great. Like Vitus Vet is the one that was popping into my head. Mm-hmm. And I know there, there's others as well, but um, getting to the point where that's expected, I think is, I think that's something that's coming. Yeah. The value of seeing things as well. Like it's at least in the practices I've worked in, it's very rare that that a doctor will go over x-rays with a client without showing them the x-rays. So they can point out, right, this is what we're looking at. And there's incredible value in that because you see, that's my pet up there. This this is what was actually done. This is what I'm paying for. This Mm -hmm. is what my doctor's seeing. And this was what it means. Like that visual representation is so important. And I think sometimes that's part of what's missing in some of our client education. They don't have access to their blood work. We go in and say, the BUN and creatinine is elevated. And so we're worried about the kidneys. That's not going to like if I wasn't in medicine, that would not process anything for me. But if it's written out in front of me and I see the big red highlighted, oh, this is an abnormal value. Now I'm going to remember that, you know, yeah. and so I think they're I think you're totally right. I think the portal is the best way to go. And also, I think it's an incredible opportunity for technicians. I think so many technicians are often looking for new new ways yep. to be involved in veterinary medicine that maybe isn't like, you know, blowing out their back every two seconds. And, um, yeah. and um, I think that's an incredible way that we can allocate work to technicians for sure. Yeah, I, I think that that's a big part of where technicians are going in vet medicine is in the communication customer service yeah. sort of realm. I, I just think there's so much opportunity there for sure. And again, I know everybody has different 
learning styles. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been interesting for me to recognize how much some sort of visual learning is important to me. My The doctors that I've been most impressed with have been the ones who have visual aids. They're like, absolutely. There was, there's like, just, I mean, like, like a whiteboard and they're like, all right, this is what we're doing and this is what it looks like. And they're yep. just, just simple diagrams. But I was like, oh, I feel so much more informed of just understanding what's going to happen and why it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but it, it has made me think a lot about my time in the exam room and mm-hmm. how I want to use those tools and, and how much of a difference it can make for people. Yeah, it's why I've always been so passionate about working in an open hospital is that when people get to see what is being done, they retain so much more information. Yeah. Like I always say, like clients can come back after being in the open hospital and be like, my pet received subcutaneous fluids yesterday and an injection of serenia, but it's because they watched it happen. If you yeah. came and told me that's what you did to my pet, I, there is no way my brain would remember that if I wasn't in medicine, right? But seeing it is really different for sure. Define uh, define open hospital for people oh, who are familiar uh, with the term. It's, it's basically functions like, as if you were going to a pediatrician where you get to stay with your pet as if, as, as, uh, what well, I was going to say, as humans stay with their children, <laughs> uh, in that same way. I don't know why that sounded <laughs> funny to me the way I said that. As humans stay with their skin babies, the clients get to stay with their fur babies. <laughs> um, I, think, yeah, I think we should call, I think we should call pets babies and, and humans skin babies. Skin babies. I think, I think we should not call pets fur babies. Just call them babies and Just then make babies. the humans call them skin babies. <laughs> Congratulations on your new skin baby. <laughs> We're going to start something new here. Um, oh, this is going to totally catch on. Oh, this yeah. is going to catch on. <laughs> I can like feel it already. <laughs> Mothers are going to just, just go right to this as a concept. Yeah. You know, there's All something right. that you said earlier that I wanted to touch on, too, that, that has been something that I've, I, I think it's maybe the biggest thing I've learned from being a patient. Okay. And we were talking about choices and how you come to a certain decision and then what you'll try next and those kind of things. And one thing I found being a patient myself and going through a a really difficult time and and I didn't have a clear diagnosis and it was a rough case, right? Like I am essentially the 20-year-old geriatric, um, you know, cancer and kidney disease and liver failure cat who's mostly bones that comes in that you like dread getting because they have a lot of questions. That's me. That I'm that patient. Okay. okay. So um so one thing that I learned is that there I experienced an incredible burden of responsibility to care for myself. Um, There was an incredible burden of, I am the only one who can make these decisions and hopefully they are the right ones, but my life hangs in the balance based on these decisions that only I can make. And I realized that I I have that same feeling when it comes to my dog, Birdie, that I have an incredible burden of responsibility, that I am the one making decisions for her life. And it's almost even harder. At least if I'm making a decision for myself as a patient, I'm the only one who gets hurt if I make the wrong decision. If I'm making the decisions for Birdie and I make the wrong decision, let's say I don't take her to urgent care and I see if she gets better on her own, she's the one who gets hurt because of that. And that is an incredible burden. That's really heavy on your shoulders. And so one thing that a doctor said to me recently, which made a huge difference was I was seeing a a new doctor and we went over all of the things that I've tried so far for my chronic pain. 
And a lot of them were things that she normally has to tell people about. And she's like, wow, you've really done your research. You are doing everything you need to be doing right now. Like you are doing everything right. Keep up what you're doing. And I, after that appointment, sat there and cried because I was so just like, I needed that, you know, validation to say, I am making some really good decisions. I'm doing Mm -hmm. the right thing. And it took a huge weight off of my shoulders. And I think that there is, um, I think that's the biggest thing that I would change is like when I go to put an urgent care patient in a room because yeah, Bella's been vomiting for a couple days, being able to say to a client, gosh, you made the right call bringing her into urgent care today. I'm definitely glad you brought her here. Um, Or if the client decides... I don't think I'm ready to hospitalize her. I'm going to I'm going to monitor at home saying, I think that's a reasonable choice, you know, and we have a plan in place in case it doesn't work. That kind of validation is really huge. And I think that's the biggest thing I never thought about until I was a patient myself. And I felt that burden on my shoulders. Yeah, that's it. That's a great that's a great point is people want to know that they're a good pet owner and they want to know they're doing the right decision. And they always they always ask themselves if they're overreacting, yeah. you know, uh, is, should I, should I, and you were sitting pet owner's eyes, should I have come with this, you know, um, maybe Absolutely. I'm just being paranoid and, and just that, that validation of, no, you did, you were doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. Kelsey Carpenter, where can people find you online? Uh, you were such a joy. Um, mostly uh, behind silently, quietly, privately being a keyboard warrior behind the Dr. Andy Rourke facebook page (laughs) Um, i'm i am under vet tech kelsey on facebook and instagram and that Uh, is it (laughs) that is it no i saw um facebook launched their new sort of twitter like platform was it threads threads yeah i'm hearing all about that and i'm a little you know i know i'm 34 when i start going these darn new social media platforms we don't need them i I refuse to sign up for threads (laughs) that's great that you're a social media manager for an old fart who's like i don't want to do that thing and you're like i don't want to do it either Uh, my favorite part that is like andy Rourke doesn't want to dance on tiktok and i'm like neither do i with my (laughs) bachelor of arts in dance (laughs) i won't touch it (laughs) oh i love it all right Kelsey, thanks for being here. Guys, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Uh, I think there's so much to think about here. I uh, I always enjoy sitting back and going, what does this mean for vet medicine? So anyway, guys, take care of yourselves. Be well, everybody. And that's it, guys. That's what I got for you. Thanks for being here. Thanks to uh, Kelsey Beth Carpenter. Uh, check her out on the social medias if, uh, if that's where you hang out. She really is uh, amazing and wonderful. Be well, everybody. I'll talk to you soon. Hey guys, I just want to jump in real quick and let you know that my back to school webinar series is winding to a close. I've had a bunch of webinars on recently. Uh, they're done by me. They're done by guests of mine. This, I've got one more live one coming up. It is on Tuesday, September the 19th. That is at noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific. It is a one hour presentation. It has one hour of race It is a presentation by me. I will be doing getting the team on board with the spectrum of care approach. If you listen to the podcast very much, you know that I'm big on spectrum of care. I think it's important to balance the quality of care that we put with affordability and accessibility to pet owners. This is about talking to the team about those concepts and getting everybody in the same place so we feel good about providing 
providing quality care and striving to meet pet owners where they are. So anyway, like I said, that will be uh, that'll be one hour racy. It's me doing the presentation, getting the team on board with a spectrum of care approach. It is Tuesday, September the 19th at noon Eastern time. It is uh, sponsored by Nationwide. Also, I have got a webinar on demand for you. It is, uh, it is from Siva Animal Health. It is called Updates in Canine Pancreatitis, Treatment Innovation with Fusoplatib Sodium for Injection. If you haven't seen this presentation before, it is a great uh, presentation. It's, um, it's super, super action-oriented on dealing with pancreatitis, and it talks all about the new drug on the market uh, Panaquel CA1. So anyway, that is on demand. You can watch that webinar right now. I'll put links to all this in the show notes. Okay, let's get back into this episode. But I hope to see you on uh, on the webinar on September the 19th. All right, bye.